Let's play on the inside. Inside Sales Show. Powered by the Sales IQ Network. My name is Daryl Prale. I'm your host. And you, my friend, well, you and I, we're going on a journey every single week talking to the industry's most accomplished sales legends as they share with us their tips, their tricks, their techniques, and their tactics to become sales rock stars. You simply need to do what they're doing and you will achieve similar nirvana. If you like to laugh, you like to be entertained, if you like to go off on tangents and tell stories, you're going to love what you're going to hear next. Sit back, relax. It's going to get real. is everybody doing today folks oh my goodness you ever notice i kind of start out every podcast the same for 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 like episodes upon episodes upon episodes i used to strain myself and say i gotta open it up differently today gotta do it differently today today i'm gonna say something like i and then i of course i blank and then i fall back to How's it going today, folks, right? And it's funny because I was the same in my webinars. For years, I would do my webinars, and no matter who, when I had my own agency, and no matter who was my client, I would open it up this way. Tell me if if this is stupid or, or why not. But here we go. Go back like 10 years ago, and this is what you would have heard me say. I would have said, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, no matter where you are in this fine land of ours. My name is Daryl. I'm your host, and today we're going to talk about whatever it is we talk about. Welcome to the show. That's what I would say. And the only way I would mix it up is if I was having a conversation with somebody who was in the UK, so for example, then instead of saying good morning, I might say good afternoon or good evening first. I know. I am tricky dicky with all my cool antics, aren't I? <sighs> you know what it is? What you're hearing me talk about and share is an honest, truthful statement that we all get into routines. We all get into routines of what we say, how we do, how we how we greet one another, our default behaviors, right? Like we're on autopilot. I mean, you know the drill. If I'm walking down the street, except of course, if I may say in New York City, I would look at you and I'd say, hey, how you doing? as we walk past each other, or we just give each other that, that knowing nod. Dudes are especially good for this, that nod. Just nod, right? And it's that sign of respect. I remember teaching my, my son the first time he was in high school, and he missed the bus. And the high school was like a 45-minute drive away. And he, I think he was maybe 15 years old. And, you know, we, we live in the country. So he, born and raised in the country, never really taken a bus, a city bus, in his life. Every single urban person here is, is already rolling their eyes. I hear you. But he was scared shitless because I, as the father, when he missed the bus, said, well, then I guess you better figure out how you're going to get home, son. Click. And my wife is freaking out behind me because she's like, like, what are you doing? He's never done this before. And I'm like, well, he's going to figure it out. And then, you know, he figured out the bus route. He had some money on him. He calls me back and he says, I'm taking the bus. And this is what I'm doing. But you could see he was nervous. He was scared. And I said to him, I said, listen, you're going to go and transfer buses at a very rough neighborhood. It's all about how you carry yourself, kid. If you look like you're weak and, 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 and you're insecure and you're scared, they're going to kick your ass and steal your lunch money. But if you, you know, shoulders back, look people in the eye and give them the nod. Give them the nod. No one will touch you. And he got home. The, and mom was no longer upset with dad and the kid grew three inches that day in his self-confidence. It's crazy. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough 
persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Go to VanillaSoft.com. These are the things that we endure in life. We endure these habits, these tendencies to fall back on well-known scripts, these areas where we're scared crapless, but we know we have to do it. And if we don't approach it right, we're going to fail. All of this is coming together somewhere, my friends. It's coming together because today I'm talking about a topic every single sales rep on here absolutely loves, cannot do enough of, you know it, that's right, your favorite topic, your favorite activity, the favorite way to build your pipeline. Let me cold call somebody. I love me some cold calling. And then, of course, when it happens, what do we do? We fall back on our scripts. The scripts that we know don't work, but we're comfortable with them. And in our voice is like we're looking down to the ground, scared, scared shitless. Please don't look at me. Please don't ask me a hard question. And they can feel it in the phone. They know that you have no idea what you're doing. And you're going, Ugh! and they say, go away. And at the end of the day, you're like, that sucks. So the question, boys and girls, sales reps of all sizes in ages and location, is how do you consistently turn up and do what many consider to be an unpleasant task? And that, that is cold calling. So who would you ask that question to? Well, I think it's only reasonable that we go to the one, the only, the original Phone jacker. That's right, boys and girls. We're talking to Callum Beecroft today, all the way from London, England. You can check him out at thephonejacker.co.uk, but he lives on LinkedIn. Callum Beecroft, one word, check him out there. He is a pretty cool cat. If you go to his website, one of the things I really like about it, right on the homepage, this is right away. It's it's a tone, it's a vibe, it's a feeling, right? He says, hey, I'm Callum, a freelance sales development rep. You may know the role as a BDR, lead generation. New business development are quite possibly something else. But either way, my job is to knock down doors and get you in front of the prospects you want to meet with. And that includes the unpleasant task of cold calling. And he's going to make it all better for us today. Callum, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. I saw nothing but smiles in your face. I was, I was doing that little opening monologue. What was going through your mind? This guy talks a lot or what? I was just loving it. I was just putting myself in your son's shoes. Just thinking, what a great role model I've got. <laughs> <laughs> True story. My wife was so upset with me. And I'm like, he's grade 10. He's 15 years old. He's got to learn. <laughs> you got to keep times. So we've saved his ass so many times. So there's got to be eventually, there's got to be a consequence or this behavior will continue. And, uh, you know, between, you know, as every good parent listening knows, ultimately we'll never let our kids get into a situation that will put them at unnecessary risk. But sometimes the hardest lessons to learn, the ones that are most important are the ones that are the scariest. And he came out of that a better person. So we took a picture, honest to goodness, we went to pick him up. He's at the bus station. There's like a 10 minute drive from our house. And we took a picture of him and we're like, this is the day, son, that you became a man. Way to go. So <laughs> brilliant. Anyway, so talk to me about this. Talk to me about, you know, that uh, the unpleasant task of cold calling. I mean, is that something I'm assuming that's something you can relate to, but what is it you hear what, what, when you talk to your people, your clients, when you talk to other reps, 
what is the general consensus about the whole process of cold calling? Because I know I get a lot from, from a lot of them saying, Daryl, nobody even uses the phone anymore. The phone is dead. Why would I ever use that? And I don't know half the time if they're telling me the truth, meaning the phone is dead, or if that's just their excuse because they genuinely do not want to use the phone. So I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, look, let me answer it by this. The phone is definitely not. So I would say, yeah, from the sales reps that are saying this is definitely an excuse not to pick up the phone, right? But you also see a lot on LinkedIn as well from decision makers who would be prospects and they receive a lot of cold calls. And there's a lot of bad mouthing of salespeople on LinkedIn. But what I would take from that is the CEOs primarily or MDs or presidents or whatever, or C-level decision makers don't necessarily hate cold calls. They just hate bad ones. And the problem is most cold calls are bad ones. So we see all of this on LinkedIn, all of this negativity, and people read it and think, well, yeah, no one likes to be cold called. But from my experience, I'd probably say about 5% of the prospects I call will just be a straight off the bat, no, not interested. Maybe they'll hang up or they'll ask me to take them off their list. But the other 95% will have a conversation. They might not lead somewhere, but at least like we're having a conversation on the phone. So I think that's a significant stat to kind of debunk the myth that the phone doesn't work, right? And what I'd add to that as well is you, you've got mobiles, right? And some people or prospects, they won't answer unsolicited numbers. But you've always got the, the office number, right? So if you can't get through to someone on their mobile, then you can always try the office. It really isn't an excuse for the phone doesn't work or cold calling is dead. It's definitely not my experience. And, and that is something I do hear over and over again, not just from other sales coaches and, and experts, but even from so many of my colleagues who, like me, carry a budget to spend on investments, whether that be services or technology or whatever. And the phone is not dead. In fact, often we prefer the phone, especially if we're actively looking. It's like, why are we going back and forth on LinkedIn messaging or, or, or on emails? Can we just pick up the phone? Because it's just going to be a shitload faster. My schedule is already full. So, and then we can decide if we like each other or not, next steps or not, but at least we'll have resolution and can, we can respectively go on our way. So that to me is, is a proof point. So let's set the stage. You heard the opening monologue. Many of us are totally... I don't know. We just start getting the shakes. We start hyperventilating when we know we're going to have to start doing the calls. We'll do emails. We'll do social selling. Hell, we might even make videos, anything but to pick up the phone. So let's just sit back. You've got a whole bunch of wisdom, lessons learned that will make this a much better experience for us. So where do you want to start, my friend? Yeah, so I think the first thing was around kind of measuring the wrong thing, but also not setting targets and not setting goals, right? So, and this is my own personal experience, right? Is when I was, before I went self-employed and I was an employee, I would never kind of measure anything. Well, first and foremost, I never picked up the phone, right? I was too scared to do it, but I didn't know how to prospect using the phone. So I'd always rely on email. And somehow I survived for a certain amount of time. But the principles still still are the same, right? I never had any idea of why I was prospecting, what I was looking for. And I had no idea how many emails at the time I needed to set send to schedule one meeting, right? So I would do a little bit of email one day, perhaps none the next. I'd do a little bit more on the Wednesday and then perhaps none on the Thursday and then maybe I'd do loads on the Friday or whatever. So I never had a target or an understanding of kind of the map of sale, right? And 
cold calling's the same, right? So one of the things that you see quite a bit is people measure dials. Uh, they won't measure, oh, sorry, they'll measure dials and sometimes conversation time. I think the conversation time is more of an old school uh, like call center or perhaps, I don't know if it's still prevalent now, but in recruitment as well, they used to measure uh, call time as well. Now, the problem with that is I could make nine dials and no one answers, but I've done 9% of my task if I was going to set myself 100 dials for that day, right? But nothing's happened. Same with conversation time. I could speak to someone for 10 minutes on the phone, but really, really deep down after one minute, I know this isn't going to go anywhere. So you measure all of this wrong in activity and then by the end of it, you think you've done something, but actually like the needle hasn't moved, right? So the number one thing I would suggest with cold calling is to measure conversations because you can measure, you can control that and you can track that, right? So I don't know if your target is five conversations a day, then it might take 50 dials. It might take 20 dials. You never know, right? But you can control that. So you can just keep going until you've hit your conversation target. Now you could take it one step further, right? Is going back to the point about understanding activity and how much you need to do to set the meeting. Because if you're an SDR, right, that's your job is to set meetings, ideally qualified meetings. But if I know the one in 10 conversations is going to lead to a meeting historically, and I know that I need to set five meetings a week, then if I consistently deliver 10 conversations every single day, I'm going to hit my target. And you can control that, right? So all of that anxiety and the fear of kind of doing cold calling and basically a lack of feeling like a lack of control over the activity, you can take control of that by understanding your map of sale and what you need to do consistently to hit it. So I had this conversation recently with another revered, reputable individual in the sales world. I won't name their name just because it's not relevant. But we had this whole conversation about how many connect, what's the typical connection rate, right? So you talk about sales math and their contention was, well, 20% of the time somebody's going to answer a phone. And my contention was, well, I think it's more like 8% of the time give or take, and we're, we're being general, yeah. you know, across the board. So, well, let's say, let's say it's 10% for simple math. So if every 10th call, somebody answers the phone and using Callum's math, I need to have five conversations. Then theoretically, I need to have 50 dials to have 10 conversations so that I can hit my number. That's what he means by the simple math. The beauty of knowing the math <clears throat> is that you have an end in sight. You know the effort involved. You know how long it typically takes you to work through that. And if you know that, then it's not so scary. And then you can shift your mindset so that you're prepared to do that. That's all this is. It's all it is. It's no different than my son getting the mindset that when he was going to transfer a buses, he wasn't going to get his ass handed to him or his lunch money taken away. It's a mindset. And he knew he had to go from point A to point B. And by the time he got to point B, he was through the scary part and he was on to the rest of his day. So I love your point about having goals and measuring it. For me as a sales leader, 
I recognize many of my sales colleagues, my sales leadership colleagues do measure activity. I don't. I prefer outcomes. Give me a conversation. I recognize one conversation is going to be 30 seconds long. The next one could be 10 minutes long. The 30 second one could be one saying, yeah, I'm interested. I'm busy right now. Call me back tomorrow. 30 seconds. Done. And the 10 minute one could be just be a tire kicker because they're bored as hell. Duration, I agree with you, doesn't matter. But it did, give me the conversations. And the beauty of that is, if it only takes you twenty-five thousand instead of fifty to get those five or those ten conversations, whatever it is you want, knock yourself out. You got to keep on going and, and really suck up and, and build your your pipeline, or move on to something else. But to me, I'm with you on that, Cam. I love the math because it makes it it makes it obvious. It takes the scariness out of it. Absolutely. But that's not it. Because I could do that, but you're going to talk to me about how not having a process is likely going to still kick you in the ass, even if you do know the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. So to your point you just mentioned there with conversations, as a sales rep, you've got to be, you've got to be not hard on yourself, but you've got to be strict with your activity, right? So in my eyes, a conversation is going back to your point about process is understanding what you're doing and why you're doing it, right? So for me, the purpose of a cold call is to uncover the truth. And the truth is, does this prospect have problems that I can fix? If not, why not? Is that ever going to change? I.e., should I ever call this prospect back? Or is there a time frame, maybe in three months' time or six months' time, I should call this prospect back? So I'm uncovering some information there. Now, if I find a prospect who has problems that I can fix, my job is now changed to get them slightly emotional about those problems. And if I can do that, I know the chances of me getting a meeting with them are going to be a lot higher, right? And there's also, if you can get someone emotional about those problems, there's going to be more of a reason for them to turn up to the meeting and you'll get a lot, of, lot less backouts as well. So I've seen stats that, I don't know, I think it's 40% of meetings result in a no-show, it really it should never happen if you do your job right. So that's kind of the, the overarching thing. So when I'm going back to the measurement piece, when I'm measuring my conversations, they've got to be with decision makers, right? I don't want to meet with managers or anyone that isn't going to have a final say on whether, on whether they move forward with this. So it's got to be with a, a decision maker. Obviously, from the nature of the conversation, you'll realize whether they're the right company to be speaking to, but you should know that already. And yeah, if I can figure out all of those things, whether it, one, they should be someone, if they don't have problems now that I should call back or not, if they, if they are someone, when, when would it make sense? What event is happening in the future that means that that would make more sense to have a conversation? And then obviously finding those that actually have problems that, that we can fix and, and have a conversation with them about it. So yeah, you've got to be really hard on yourself there. That's the first bit. I don't know if you wanted to interject there. I had another point. Well, no, I love what you're getting at because I, I actually did a post on this just, or was it a comment? I can't remember. It might have been a comment. It was a comment actually on a post that my good friend Jenny Brennan posted on. And uh, she was talking about you need to sell to the situation and not to the sales stage. That was her whole point. And I'm like, take any sales methodology you want to, and I just pick some at, at random. We'll say spin. What does the S stand for? Situation. Iced. What does the stand for situation? Even medic or med pick, right? I identify, right? So I could go on, but you're you're identifying the pain points, which is eliciting an emotional reaction. Yeah. And I don't understand why so many reps honestly have a hard time with this because 
there is a thousand sales frameworks out there, eh, give or take, that you can use, but they're all kind of the same. And they walk you through to help you qualify, to help you uncover the situation they're in and evoke that emotional response. All you need to do is A, put the time in, the, 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 the math behind the cold calling, and then B, follow the process. You guys are making this so hard on yourselves because you don't want to put the math in and you just want to wing it. You don't want to follow the process. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you raised some good points there because I think a couple of things, the reasons why salespeople make it so hard for themselves is one of is a, is a lack of understanding. We've all been on the receiving end of perhaps a cold call or a cold email where sales reps are lazy. They just talk about what it is they do, who they do it for, and what perhaps the benefits of them, right? Their features, advantages, and benefits. And the problem with that is that people don't buy features, advantages, and benefits. And what further compounds it is, is likely the, the reps listen to this, you're going to have competitors and they're going to be doing the exact same thing. They're going to be talking about the exact same thing. So there's no, no differentiation or competitive advantage there, right? So yeah, they're quite lazy and they just look at the surface level of their world, right? And they're so wrapped up in their own world with their company. And you need to shift away from that and start thinking about your prospects world. And obviously, if you're uh, fresh out of college or university going into a sales job, you're not going to have any experience or understanding of what it's like to be a CEO or an MD or president or whatever, or a chief marketing officer or financial director and all these jobs. So it's really hard to put yourself in their shoes and understand what's their world like, what are their biggest pains, frustrations, and how does your product or service solve some of those pains and frustrations, right? So that's the sphere that you need to be thinking about. And once you do that, you can start having conversations about their world, right? Because decision makers and whoever you're calling up, they don't give a rat's ass about your world, your products, your services, who, what clients you have worked with. All they care about is how you can help them. So you've got to really focus on that side of the kind of prospecting and, and selling, having conversations around that rather than what it is you do. Because the cold calls that I make, I never talk about what it is I or my clients do, right? We just talk about their world, problems in their world, what have they done to try and fix it? Has that worked? What impact does it have on the business? Has it cost them a lot of money? Is this something they even want to fix? And also, how does it make them feel? Obviously, if that problem is big enough, right? So yeah, I don't talk about features, advantages, benefits, or anything that I do. It's all about the prospect and all that all about how I might be able to help them. There's obviously no guarantees in, in life, right? So I, I want to stop you for a second because you have a unique perspective that I think is worthy of bringing up that we, we rarely have a chance to address. Many people here, you hit it up. You know, maybe you're fresh out of school and you don't have that real world experience. You don't know how to speak to that managing director, that CEO, that head of finance, whomever it might be, because you don't have the life experience. You just don't understand it. And for many people, that becomes an excuse. Okay, I, I hear you. It's, it's a valid excuse. Let's just table that for a moment. Let's talk about Callum. Remember how this began? I talked to you about Callum. I said he's the phone jacker. You can go to phonejacker.co.uk. And I, I read a little bit of his website. And what, it, what he says, where he says, I'm Callum, a freelance sales development rep. In other words... Every time Callum brings on a new client, he's selling something to somebody 
that he's likely never sold before and quite likely speaking to people he's never engaged with before, different verticals, different industries, etc. So if Callum can make his living doing this, then there's no excuse for you. He's just killed your excuse. So let me ask you this, Callum. How do you do that? How do you take on a new client selling a product or a service you've never, you know, you have minimal to no exposure to into an audience you may have never talked to before? That is a very good question. So yeah, whenever I'm meeting with new prospects, so this is a sales meeting or a disco, whatever you want to call it, we'll have that initial discussion. And then if they want to move forward, we have a, a follow-up call. And on that follow-up call, we go through a step-by-step -step process of what their strategy is. So obviously in my client's world, they might want to focus on a specific product or service, or I don't know, another example would be they want to target like higher value prospects, right? Maybe they've got sales guys, but they're struggling to unlock these bigger clients. So we'll understand what their strategy is and what their goals are. Now, after that, I need to get a really good understanding from them. What is, or what are the, pro the problems that their product or service fixes, but in their prospects world, right? So it's got to be very specific to their prospects world. And once we've done that, then I need to understand how does it manifest itself in the prospects world? So I don't know, let's pretend I was bringing on a, a marketing agency, right? And let's say they focus very specifically on SEO. That seems to be quite a popular marketing agency. Now I'd need to get an understanding of all the problems their prospects or their current clients had before they worked with them. So it might be that they had a, a previous agency who were missing deadlines or they were a nightmare to work with. It might be that they've just got a lack of performance, right? That perhaps they're just not getting the, the Google search hits that they want, or it could be something else. And then I need to figure out how it manifests itself in their world. So are they doing this themselves? Do they have someone in perhaps that person's left? and there's a gap in the business and they need this work done or perhaps they're already working with another agency and they're having issues or I don't know maybe the agency been struggling and they've shut down or whatever so I need to understand all of this picture of what are the likely conversations that I'm going to be having with that prospect and then I'll just adapt my cold call framework and I'll just fill in the gaps right so for every client for all of the cold calling that I've done I use the same process all the way through. It's just the context of what I'm talking about and the questions I ask will change for every single one of them. And then after that, it's just a case of getting on the phone. There'll always be some things that I don't get right first time, so I might need to tailor it or change, or there might be specific kind of objections that I'm hitting that I'm like, I don't understand this world well enough to figure out. So I just have a conversation with my client, try and fix that and then get back on the phone and. It's just constant work, right? And you just get better at it with every conversation. So yeah, that's what I would do. So, let, so let's recap what Callum just said here, okay? Many of you hate cold calling for all the reasons we talked about. It's scary. It doesn't work. It's a stupid channel. Phone is dead. Whatever. Just table that for a moment. What did Callum say? He did a couple simple things. In fact, what I called was I heard three things. I heard him say three things. I heard one say, I just asked a shitload of questions and I got to know the target audience. I just asked. I didn't wait for it to be spoon fed to me. I didn't wing it. I didn't take a shortcut. I didn't try to cheat. I asked. In fact, he even said if I had to, I would go back to the client and ask more questions if I didn't understand it because he understands time is money for him. 
Just like, by the way, time is money for you folks because it's your commission check. So he asked a lot of questions, point number one. Point number two he did was he heard him say, I use the same framework for every client. He, he has the same framework. So it's not just enough to know who it is you're selling into, ask a lot of questions. You need to be intimately familiar with the framework. And, he, and I even talked about that. You know, I talked about disco and, and qualification, which is part of a framework, but it's a routine. He knows his funnel math. We talked about that. He knows how to engage with them to get the answers he needs to enlist that emotional response. And the last thing he talked about was, and he didn't use this word, but I'm going to paraphrase for him, to talk about preparation. He was prepared for every time he commenced that calling session because he would review his notes and the value props and everything else. And again, he knew his funnel math. And his funnel math may vary from customer to customer because one product could be a niche product. Another one could be mainstream, and, but that's all preparing your mindset, etc. So would it be a fair point, Callum, to say if you hate cold calling, it's, there's a good chance that not only are you not measuring and setting goals and targets as you talked about, but you're also suffering from a poor process or a lack of preparation or a lack of understanding of, of, of your buyer? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think cold calling is exactly the same as going to the gym in that no one wants to do it. And when you get there, you're fine. Halfway through, you want to quit. By the end of it, <laughs> by the end of it, you feel good, right? And then once you start seeing results, you get motivated to do more, right? But just like the gym, you need to be doing it consistently. And like all the things that we talked about, preparation, mindset, having a process, understanding what you're doing and tracking. Once you do all of those, then like you get the results at the end and it motivates you to do more of it right so for me personally i i don't love cold calling i love how hard it is because it's challenging right and it, and it makes me think and it's a difficult one to to like you need discipline right so it's constantly making me think about how do i act and behave outside of cold calls on the topic of this to turn up consistently right and obviously there are so many benefits but i don't have any pressure even when I bring on a new client now, I've done it enough that I've heard it all before. I can see where the challenges might come and I know what's going to happen if I do hit any brick walls, for example. So the only thing I struggle with is cool reluctance. And all that is, is that some days I just can't be asked to do it, right? So that's the only thing that I have to figure out is how do I limit cool reluctance or if it does come up, how do I act and behave to, to get through it, right? Because I know a lot of salespeople struggle with it. Everyone struggles with it. No matter how good you get at it, you're always going to struggle with that part. So I want to recap one thing and then I want to explore one thing further. So I loved your metaphor about the gym because what you're really doing is when you go to the gym and you get into that routine and you see the results, you're, you're, you're establishing, you're starting, you're establishing, and then you're building the right habits, which means until that point of going to the gym, you're living, you know, you're, you're, you're eating whatever you want to eat. You're not, not exercising. You're, you know, you're, 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 you're grooming. If you work from home, your grooming efforts may be questionable. You know, you've got bad habits and as much as that can be fun and comfortable and, and just, you know, familiar, you get the results that bad habits bring. But when you are intentional about your habits, exactly as Callum said, you get excited by the outcomes of that. But so that's, you know, good habits versus bad habits, folks, right? So you want to build winning habits as you take away from this one. And it's going to be hard at first. 
But I want to go back to talk about call reluctance. And this comes back to, now I see a lot of reps who are really hard on themselves if they have this call reluctance or they get into a bad stretch because, you know, we talked about, you know, maybe, maybe it 10, 20% connection rate. But what if you get into a bad stretch where you don't talk to somebody for three days straight and it happens, you know, it's just the luck of the draw sometimes. Are reps too hard on themselves? Are they undermining their own success because of that? If so, how do I recognize that and how do I overcome it? Yeah, really good question. So yeah, reps are really hard on themselves. I saw a LinkedIn post earlier about someone literally just posted saying they need some help. They need someone to kind of raise their moods and give them a virtual hug and all of this because for the exact reason they've been struggling to get connects or set meetings, right? So there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, the first thing is you've got to focus on what you can control. So if no one's picking up the phone, like I'll have it if it's like in the UK, we had the Queen's Jubilee, right? So during that week, I think there was two bank holidays, public holidays on the Thursday and the Friday, but a lot of people took Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. And I was still calling Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it was a nightmare. There was no one working. If someone did answer, they didn't want to have a conversation because they were on holiday. But I can't control that, right? So you've got to focus on what you can control. And all that is, is picking up the phone, trying to have those conversations. But if it's not possible, then, but you've tried, what more can you do, right? The other thing that I was going to say was that... We didn't really touch on it, but not being attached to the outcome of the call. Ooh, love that. This one gets talked about a lot on LinkedIn, but for good reason. It's probably one of the best bits of advice that you can have as a, as a sales rep or an SDR or whatever, right? So when I'm making a cold call, I don't care about the outcome. I don't care if someone hangs up on me. I don't care if they swear at me, curse, whatever. I don't really care if I make a mistake either depending on the mistake or if that com- or if that the prospect doesn't have problems that they, that I can fix right all of these things are outside of my control apart from the mistake one but yeah I don't want to focus on them I just want to focus on my process and that is literally my mindset when I'm doing this is my job or what I'm trying to do is just execute my process as best as possible and if I do that and if I believe in the process which I do the outcomes will take care of themselves, right? The people that I'm meant to meet with, I'll meet with them. Those that I'm not meant to meet with, we won't. And the conversation ends there, right? And that's my mindset is, in essence, mastery, right? I just want to master this process. So anything outside of that, I don't really care about. And obviously, going back to the math of sale and all these things, that just helps me kind of deliver it day in, day out. And I think that's really important because when, like you said, <clears throat> you go on a dry patch and you don't, get the, the connects or you, the prospects you speak to, they don't result in the meetings. It's really easy to beat yourself up over it and blame yourself. But all you can focus on is have I done and executed my process well enough? Everything after that will just take care of itself, right? And like I said, on the mistakes front, like I still make mistakes all the time, less than I used to. But as long as I learn something from that mistake, I don't really care. And what I'll do is I'll go back and I'll listen back to that call and I'll try and figure out what it is that I did wrong and I'll make a note of it. I'll plan it out if I need to do anything different and then I'll go and practice it so that the next time it comes up, I don't make that same mistake again. And as a sales rep, if you do that 
And at, every, at the end of the day, ask yourself, did I hit my targets and my goals that I set myself? If I did, brilliant. And am I better at cold calling than I was yesterday? What did I learn? I, I journal, right? So at the end of every calling session or every day, I will make a note of what my target was and whether I delivered it. And if I missed it, why? So I've got a note, might have been out of my control, right? And then I'll write three things, three things that I did well and three things that I need to improve on. And I'll do that every single day. And it just reaffirms like that progress, right? This is my focus, it's just on this process. And by writing down the positive things, it reaffirms what I'm doing well. And if I can tie it back to the things that I needed to improve on yesterday, then I get an instant kind of affirmation that I'm heading in the right direction. And it's just not a feeling, right? Because when things aren't going well, there's not much of a positive feeling there for you to say I'm improving, but there may be little things in your process that you're still improving on where even though you don't get the results, right? So these are all the things that I do to just mentally help myself get through what is a difficult job and just make sure that I'm always on the right track. Wow. So I haven't given this plug in a long time, but for those who are longtime fans of the show, you've heard me say this more than one occasion, but it seems relevant right now. Callum talked about not being invested in the outcome. And he talked about just, you know, having a plan and working it. He talked about, you know, preparation, he talked about process. He talked about so much here. There's a book, it's a long standing, it's been out there for several years now, which written by Andrea Waltz and Richard Fenton. It's called Go For No. I'm looking at it right now on Amazon. It's 12 bucks in the paperback, 12 bucks, USD. You can buy it in Canada, you can buy it in UK, you can buy it everywhere, but it's 12 bucks. And it talks, it gives you that process. It gives you that mindset. It's an easy, easy read. So if, you, if you're a person, you, you listen to these podcasts and you go, yeah, and when the episode's over, you're not sure what to do next. You heard them all. You heard Callum say, this is what I do. Well, you can listen to it again. That's the beauty of a podcast. Or you go get go for now. It's got handbooks and playbooks and everything else to go with it. So another, depending on what works for you, whatever works for you, the important part here is we recap what Callum talked about. You're perfectly normal, but you got to set goals. You got to have targets, all right? You got to focus on the process. You got to use the framework. You got to prepare. That means asking lots of questions, understanding who your buyer is, asking, understanding why they would care, how you differ, all the usual stuff, right? You got to track yourself, right? You have to break those poor habits and be very intentional about establishing good habits. Recognize you're going to have good days and bad days. But when you have those bad days, don't be too hard on yourself. One of the things Callum does is he journals and he reaffirms three things he did well. And then he's honest with himself and says, here's three things that I need to improve on. And he gives himself permission to be honest without beating himself up. That's just another area to focus on. No different than when going back to the gym, you say, okay, I didn't do a great job on, on, on my upper body today. Next time I gotta, I gotta really push myself and maybe add, you know, five more pounds or, you know, do it. 10 more reps, who the hell knows, but you got to push yourself. All of this, if you do it, makes cold calling hesitancy, call reluctancy fade. Will it ever disappear? Probably not, but it'll get a hell of a lot better. And trust me, 
when you get the big fat commission checks that come because you did a kick-ass job at your phoning, call reluctancy remarkably fades away and is much less of an issue. It could be worse. You could be Callum. Callum lives and dies by taking on new clients all the time. He doesn't have a guaranteed paycheck. This is why he's motivated. So let me ask you this. What's your motivation to get better? What's your motivation to get better? All right. And we're going to leave it there. We're not going to answer it. I'm going to tell you right now, you got to follow Callum. He's got some great stuff. I was looking at some of his posts where we came online. I was waiting for him to join me in the green room. I was loving his stuff. So if I liked it, you're going to absolutely adore him. That is Callum Beecroft, the phone jacker. And I will say this, the biggest compliment and the, and similarly, the biggest insult I can possibly give a poor man. Callum, you sound like a much more talented yet nicer Benjamin Dennehy. I want you to know that. I really enjoyed our conversation today. So, with that, folks, that's Callum. I'm Daryl. That's another episode in the can. Did you like it? Make sure to go and like us, give us a review. But more importantly, share the show with all your friends. It's the Inside Inside Sales Show. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Bye-bye.